you would join me the book of Revelation chapter 4. This is such a springboard chapter due to the fact of what we see here and then just the next four or five chapters what we are privileged to see. We have seen the message, we've heard the message that the Lord gave to seven churches of Asia and how he revealed himself to those seven churches and what he had to say to overcomers in those seven churches and what reproof he gave to some of those. And we, far be it from us to say, I told that church about this. <laughs> Let's keep those things in our mind and always be ready to say, Lord, forgive us if they catch us. Not to blame it on, put it on someone else or put it on another group. Those were churches that of the living God. We're not talking about uh, off-brand, way out in left or right field churches. Those were straight arrow churches at one time. So the Lord, in his grace, appeared to them and uh, gave them his message and we just trust that for a season at least, those who were reproved were corrected. And uh, now John is in the spirit. He's uh, been requested to come up hither. And immediately, verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and a sardin stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, a sight like unto an emerald. And we spent some time last week looking at this representation that John was shown with regard to the uh, great three-in-one, the Trinity, and how the great three-in-one are so interested and necessary and applicable to our redemption. Now we saw that uh, they're all interested and have a purpose and a plan and a covenant of grace and our redemption. And then when it came to our Redeemer, all three had participated in his resurrection. And they're the ones, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are those that speak to us about the truth. The Father does not have a word and the Son have another word and the Holy Spirit have another word. They are in absolute, complete agreement on all things. They are one, and yet they are manifest. They manifest themselves in three manifestations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equal in all respects, and yet we find that they have ministers to, ministries to perform for the redemption of God's people. And then we look in verse 4 here. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Now there was not one extra seat, and there was not one more elder than could be seated. I sang those two songs tonight with regard to the church because that's what this is speaking about, is the church. And we just want to notice how they represent the church. And we also want to notice that these four and 20 elders, they're unseats, they're, uh, they're in, they are in sub-thrones. 
And we found out in the first chapter that he has made us both kings and priests of the Most High God. They are in thrones beneath the throne of God, and it tells us that they're doing something. They're sitting. Now, they are expressing to us that their work is finished. Now, it's not their work on earth is finished. Their work for salvation is finished. How in redemption, in regeneration, in God supplying us with his great salvation, our work is over at that time. We, too, are sitting with Christ at the right hand of the Father. We are no longer active or activated to promote our position before God by doing something good. We rest in his righteousness. He prompts us to serve him, and he prompts us to work for him, but those do not add to nor take away from the position that we have in Christ. We're just bondservants delighted to wait on our king. And that's what we have here. These four and twenty elders representing the church, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, and they're sitting. And now notice, they're dressed. They're clothed in white raiment. They have the righteousness of Christ, nothing else, nothing less. The righteousness of Christ. They're clothed in his righteousness, and they're sitting before the throne, and that is the only way the church can be seated at the throne of God is to be in the righteousness of Christ, and it's given to us just as an example was shared with us in the book of Genesis when God clothed Adam he clothed them, and Adam didn't do anything. He didn't participate. He received the clothing. Now, whether he raised his hands like we get our kids to do or not, I don't know, but God clothed him. And that's the way God clothes us with his righteousness. We are mute. We stand still. We have nothing to do with the gathering of that great clothing that he gives us. But we are the recipients of it, and it covers us, and it covers us from head to foot, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior, covering us from all the wrath of God. He paid the everlasting, eternal price on the cross, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit poured out their wrath on God the Son while he was on the cross that we would stand free. He became poor that we might become rich. Now we're clothed in that righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. It is Christ on us. And then it tells us here that they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, as we look at this, we want to see that these 24 elders represent what we have here tonight. Saved people sitting in the presence of an almighty God. That's what we have here. They represent us. Glorious church. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Now it's only glorious because the Savior is glorious. It's only glorious because the salvation is glorious. It's only glorious because the plan is glorious. It's only glorious because the covenant is glorious. It's only glorious because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit thought it out 
left to us, we know what we'd do with it. We'd sell it. But it's glorious because it's Christ given to us. Now let's look at this. In, in a, the old economy, the number 12 leads us to the 12 sons of Jacob. Now I'd like to go through several verses in the Old Testament and then go through several verses in the New Testament that share with us a number, another 12 and then the book of Revelation just does the end for us. There's a city whose foundations and whose gates are named. And one group is the 12 sons of Jacob, and the other group is the 12 apostles, and they are brought together in Christ and made one glorious church. Victorious. Victorious. The old fathers called the victorious church. I like a victorious church, successful in Christ. Now turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. God in his determinate plan, in his decrees, in his predestination, in his providence, he selected a pagan man by the name of Abraham out of Ur, and he had nothing going for him. He had, it's been recorded, some 1,000 gods that they worshipped in Ur. I was watching a television program the other day, and they had some tablets. Supposedly, one of them was signed by Abraham. Now, boy, that's, that writing on there looked like Greek to me. <laughs> and some of the earliest writing there is was on that tablet. But they said this is a tablet that had something about Abraham. Now, he, uh, Stephen had this to say about Abraham. When he was talking to a whole bunch of Pharisees, he says, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Now, it wasn't their pagan gods, but the God of glory appeared unto Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, brought him out. Now, we know his account. He had a son by... Uh, uh, by a, he or a Gentile woman, and then he had a son by his Gentile wife. Because <laughs> at that time, everybody was Gentiles. There was no Jewish nation at that time. And uh, Sarah had a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac had a son, two sons, and one of them was Jacob, and the other one was Esau. Now, Jacob had 12 sons by four, two wives and Two concubines. And you know what? With all of that mystique about it, every one of those sons was recognized by God as a tribe of Israel. That's amazing. Now turn with me, if you would, to Genesis 35. Here we have a statement made about natural man and what they do, but the final sentence of this verse is what I want. Genesis 35:22 Genesis 35:22 The last sentence says now the sons of Jacob were 12 It says in verse 22 and it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bila his father's concubine and Israel heard of it now the sons of Jacob were 12 
Now, we're going to see as we follow this through that this, you can look up the number 12 in the Old Testament. They had 12 spoons. They had 12 basins. They had 12 brazen oxen underneath that huge basin of water. 12 is just sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. Let's look at a couple more. Genesis 42, 13. The number 12 is just speaks volumes about this these uh, sons of Jacob, and then we're going to run into them as being the tribes of Israel. Genesis 42, 13. Now, they, they may not have all known Christ. I don't know. Sometimes it's just, it's just hard to put them into the church, but they represented the church. It's hard to get everybody in the church in the Old Testament. It's impossible but that Jewish nation, beginning with the 12 tribes of Israel, represented the church. They were pictures of the church. They were chosen. They were given all their needs and all their wants. Uh, they were led and directed by Almighty God. They represented the church. Now, there were people throughout that time that God appeared to with his spirit and through the gospel, and they were regenerated, and they were saved, and they were sealed, and they're going to be with us in glory all through that period of time. How many? I don't know, because I still don't know how many on this side of the cross. <laughs> It, we don't know. It's a mystery number. In fact, it's a number that no man can number. Just don't try to count it because God has it in his hands. But the Old Testament, when we follow through, there's a shadow, a type, a picture of the church throughout the Old Testament. And it is summed up so often with this number 12 that has to do with the 12 tribes of Israel. In Genesis chapter 42, and there in verse 13, we read these words. It says, and they said, Thy servant are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. Now these are the sons of Jacob that went down to buy grain, and Joseph has not revealed himself unto them yet. And they are speaking to him through an interpreter, and they say, There's twelve of us. One of them still back with dad, and the other one, we don't know what happened to him. And he, they're speaking to him. And then it goes on into verse uh, uh, 32 of that same chapter. It says, We be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not, the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. So we've gone from the twelve sons to the twelve brethren. Let's just go to Genesis chapter 49 and verse 28. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 28. As time goes on, and the family grows, they go from sons to brethren. And now, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 28, we read this. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is it, that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Everyone, according to his blessing, he blessed them. So, they've gone from sons to brethren to the twelve tribes of Israel. And we follow them through the Old Testament. Now, it is a sad day for us to go back there and look at them when they're going into Babylonian captivity and said, now that's where they represent the church. <laughs> that is not where they represent the church because the children of God, the church of the living God, do not go back into Babylonian captivity. 
They do not go back under another king. Their king is King Jesus. Their king is their savior. Their king is the victor. Those things, and we read about them going backsliding. And just remember, when you're backsliding, if you've ever practiced it, it's not turning around and walking away. It's sliding back down the hill. But your head is still pointed towards the object. That's what backsliding is. We've got it all turned around in our culture today, religious culture, and say, well, someone made a profession of faith when they were 18 years old, and they're just backslidden all their life. Backslidden to today's people means they've been walking away from the king for all that time. Backsliding in the Bible with representation of Israel as the church is, yes, there is a day when we are not making the progress we wanted to. We hit slippery ground, and we slid back, but our eyes are still on our Savior. We haven't turned around. God prevents us from doing that. I love to watch those old westerns when the guy's going up the hill and he's got the horse by the reins and the horse is trying to go one way or the other and the guy holds him, keeps him coming. You know, God has reins on his people. He has hooks in their jaws. He's ready and able and always willing to prevent us from removing ourselves from his presence. Now, if he didn't do that, we would, but he won't let us do that. Thank God. That's a victorious church. He is victorious, and we're victorious in him. And the children of Israel, we never want to overplay them as pictures of the church because they wandered around and dropped like flies for 38 years. But that next generation that came on, now that's a beautiful picture the second group, the second birth, they went in under Joshua and not under Moses. They went under grace and not under law. They entered in into the promised land with grace and not by the law. Moses couldn't go in. Now, it was a sad day for him, but I believe on the Mount of Transfiguration, he understood what this is all about. I couldn't go in. The picture would be bad. <laughs> Joshua had to take them in, and he did. And Joshua is the Old Testament name for Jesus in the New Testament. Now, let's just look at a couple more here. Go with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 4. As we think about the church throughout the Old Testament, God was saving his people from Abel on. Now, I've met people and I've read people that say Adam was a believer. I wish I could just have confidence in that. I wish he was listed in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. That would be very convincing for me. But his son is listed there. By faith Abel. By faith Abel. So if Adam is there and Eve is there, I'm going to be thankful. But I'm confident about their one son. I'm confident because he's recorded in the great chapter. Now, in the church I grew up in, those people were not even in the church, but it sure is hard on me to say that when they're found in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. <laughs> they are by faith, by faith, and by faith, and by faith, and by faith. And all those people throughout the Old Testament, the just shall live by faith just like they do today. Now, here in the book of Exodus, chapter 24, as we think about those four and twenty elders, as they represent the completed body of Christ, the four and twenty elders that are the whole gospel church, 
12 and 12, Old Testament, New Testament, combined the one body in Christ Jesus, Jews and Gentiles, male and female, bond and free, all of the comparisons that are used throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, they're on equal ground. Those four and 20 elders, you don't find them going around measuring their chair to see which got the biggest one. They're equal thrones because we're all equal in Christ. We have equal salvation, equal representation, equal love, equal mercy, equal, equal, equal. Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. And we may go through life saying, I'm not getting much done, but God is victorious in us, and every child that enters into his presence will be given that resounding welcome. Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome into my presence. Been waiting for you. I got the slot written down. I knew you're coming, but welcome. Welcome into my presence. All right, Exodus 24. There in verse, uh, verse 4, Exodus 24, verse 4, it says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and built an altar upon the hill, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. There's going to be twelve stones left in the Jordan River. There's going to be twelve stones taken out of the Jordan River. And we heard that wonderful message by Gene Harmon, I believe it was last year or year before, about... He's able to raise up stones to testify about him. And right there was a pile of stones that was a reminder to Israel that Israel crossed over the Jordan River dry shod under Joshua as their leader. Twelve. They had twelve golden spoons. They had twelve, 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 twelve representing the church in the Old Testament, the glory of the church, the might of the church, the power of the church, the savior of the church, the keeper of the church, judge of the church, the Lord Jesus. Time and time again, this issue keeps coming up, keeps coming up about the Lord and his church in the Old Testament. Finally, if you turn with me to Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, verse 2, there's many, many verses that have to do with the subject in the Old Testament with the 12 tribes of Israel representing God's people in the Old Testament. Now, Paul helps us with this whole thing in the book of Romans. He says, please remember, not all Israel is of Israel. And he shares with us that Israel is not on the outside it's not the miters, it's not the phylacteries, it's not the hats, it's not the curls on the side. That's not Israel. True Israel is on the inside. Child, seed of Abraham, spiritual seed of Abraham, the stars of heaven, not the sands of the sea, the stars of heaven. Now, Joshua chapter 4 Verse 2, 3, and 4, we have this, this account, jo Joshua chapter 4, verse 2, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye will lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men 
whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of every tribe a man representing the church. Now, when you get over into the book of Leviticus, and I didn't I didn't go there tonight, but you find that in the book of Leviticus, they're going that high priest is going to have those wonderful, beautiful stones on a breastplate. The name of every tribe is put on one of them. Up on the shoulders. The name of every tribe put on there, representing. As the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he is representing spiritual Israel. Now he does it in a type. He does it in a picture. He does it in a shadow. He goes in there for this group of people out here. But he is going in in picture as Christ did. He entered into the Holy of Holies having obtained eternal redemption for us. There's the picture. The reality is Christ entering into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 10. We get to the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ does what, in some respects, what happened in the Old Testament. He chooses, out of his own decrees, purpose, predestination, covenant of grace, he chooses 12 apostles. Twelve specially trained individuals, specially with him. They go with him. They see him. They hear him. He instructs them more than he did any other group. And they represent to us the church under this economy. Now, they're saved by the same grace as they were in the Old Testament, saved by the same regeneration as they were in the Old Testament. They, no one was ever saved by the keeping of the law. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. And remember, during the lives of most of these apostles, the temple service was still going on, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was right in and among them. And Peter was used as a representative to represent even as those 24 elders did, Peter was a representative of everyone here that knows Christ when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, we get to hear the same thing in our ears. I didn't get this out of a book, and I didn't get this on my own. It came down from heaven and a special grace that God extends to us through his covenant of grace when he opened up my heart, when he raised me from the dead, when he regenerated me, when he gave me the new birth, he made me to know Christ. And flesh and blood did not reveal this unto me, but my Father which is in heaven. Now it's a miracle when he opens up our brain to see it. He opens up our mind to hear it. It's a miracle. He quickens us. He makes a part of us that was absolutely dead in trespasses and sin alive and willing and wanting to hear the glorious gospel of God's free grace in Christ Jesus. And we just say, hallelujah. And as we've heard several times in the Sunday school lesson, the Bible class, once you've heard it, you can never go back to that that brush pile, that, those... I never want to be in a place where I, like the cow that's just hungry going out there and eating thistles and have to roll those thistles out of your mouth. You know, I, it's not worth it. 
Why not just go where there's green grass? And that's what we're promised in the 23rd Psalm. Just go where there's green grass because that's where he's going to take us. All right. Uh, here, um, Matthew chapter uh, uh, 20 and verse uh, see, 10. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And when he had called unto him his disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Now can we find the names of the twelve tribes of Israel? Absolutely. Can we find the names of the twelve apostles? Absolutely. They're listed right here. There's, here's the Simon who is called Peter. And oftentimes we find Peter is answering questions. And also he's asked questions. He's sometimes our representative. And sometimes he says things like we say. We should build uh, 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 three tabernacles here. <laughs> and God spoke. Now that's grace. Grace. No, we don't want to build three tabernacles here. We want to hear what the Father said. This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. Don't build three tabernacles. Hallelujah. We're sitting down. We don't want to build anything. The building has been made. The building has been built. Now here it is, the list of the 12 apostles. And this list goes on. There's many times in the New Testament, part or parcel of them are listed. Now, there is one passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. Now, we have a time... When Judas Iscariot, who was, this is a verse of scripture about Judas, the son of man goeth as it was determined. Now that takes us before the creation of heaven and earth, takes us before the creation of man, takes us back to the covenant of grace. And in that covenant of grace, it was determined that this man, Judas, would betray the Savior. It was in the plan. Jesus was not caught off guard. It was in the plan. It was in the plan that it go that way. Yet Jesus said it would be uh, the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, yet but woe unto him by whom he is betrayed. And in other places it would be better if he wasn't born. Now, everlasting torment because he never knew Christ. Jesus said, I know one of you is a devil. And he knew who it was. He did. So he is used in this capacity to betray the Lord Jesus Christ to a group of Pharisees that couldn't pick him out? Now, there is a verse of Scripture in the Old Testament in the Psalms that Peter said, we've got to take care of some business. One of us betrayed him, and we need someone to take his place. Now, I've read where... Paul was the one that took his place, but that's not what happened in Scripture, and Paul is never called one of the twelve. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. He, that's what he says. But notice, in the first part of Acts, it talks about that, and then in Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, this we don't have this new apostle listed, but we have him numbered. And I want to be in that number. All right? Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, he is numbered. Matthias is numbered. He was selected by uh, God 
to fulfill the position that Judas and over there in the Psalms, Peter, led by the Holy Spirit, brought it up and they took care of it. It says, Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, Then the twelve called a multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So he is here by number, maybe not by name. Now this number continues through the, the uh, word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 1. <clears throat> this is an interesting verse of scripture. James chapter 1. Here we have... The twelve tribes scattered abroad. Hmm. Hmm. Double meaning. Now they may have been Jews, but he's writing to believers. They may have been twelve tribes. It says here, James, a servant of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, they had been a lot of turmoil in Jerusalem. They had been a lot of persecution in Jerusalem, and a lot of people left. And this letter is written to them. God is so gracious to take care of his people, even in the hinterlands, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Now, if they are members of the tribes of Israel, that's wonderful, because he's writing to Christian people. And if that's true, then we can look at them as a summation of what God had had to begin with. We're going to make all of my people make up one body in Christ Jesus. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, it mentions this. And then we're going to go to the book of Revelation and look at several verses over there that have to do with this subject of the tribes and the apostles in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom... The whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now that's the living here is not detached from the saints there. That song we sing, they may see more bliss, but we're just as assured of it here as they are there. Now the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you might be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, the family in heaven and in earth. We have brothers and sisters that have gone on before us. Some of them hundreds of years, thousands of years before us, but we're still brothers and sisters. We made this statement before. I like it. I read it somewhere. There's no aunts and uncles. There's no grandparents. It's all brothers and sisters bought by the same blood and bore by the same parents. How glorious it is to be in the church of the living God 
dressed in his righteousness and sitting at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We find that it is spoken of here in the book of Revelation. Those four and twenty elders are are, uh, broken apart, if you might, and shares with us what they are. Verse 12 of the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 12, speaking about this great city. Verse 10, let's back up. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, holy Jerusalem. Can you imagine a man that's in it looking about it? John is in it. He's part of and stepping back and getting to see it from the outside. And it's just figurative language. Holy Jerusalem. Great city. Great city. The holy Jerusalem. It just really rankles me when people introduce me pastoring a little church in the Dalles. It's a great city. Church is a great city. It's bought with the blood of Christ and covered with his righteousness. And then it goes on to tell us here, uh, a holy Jerusalem, having the holiness of Christ, descending out of heaven from God and having the glory of God. My goodness. I just can't get around that. Having the glory of God. The church has the glory of God. Now, it may not be quite as evidenced right now, but it is there, having the glory of God. The redemptive work of Christ adds to the glory that we have. And then he goes on to say here, and her, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And the names thereon were, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Church in the Old Testament. And... And on the east three gates and north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates. Every direction the church is. North, south, east, or west. Go to the north, to the south, to the east, or the west. He's going to tell his angels and gather my elect. Out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. Gather my elect. And now notice on verse 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And in them... The names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Now talk about the total aggregated group of the family in heaven and in earth. Here it is. Old Testament, New Testament put together in an everlasting testament. The everlasting covenant. The blood of the everlasting covenant purchased all of them. What a glorious John got to step out of his city and look at the city and says, this is what it's like. Now, we're not going to be in this building like this. It's God's people put together in a glorious fashion. And everybody gets to touch the foundation. Everybody gets to touch the glory. Everybody gets to touch Christ. Everybody's attached to and grafted into the glorious Christ that has saved us from our sins. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10, and we find out what the, this church gets to do, the four and twenty elders. 
They have a job, but it's not tiring. They get to do what we get to do. And they're just demonstrating that. They're sitting, every chair's filled, every chair's around the throne. They're just miniature thrones around the throne. Great God, our God, Savior, sitting on his throne. And then around his throne is the church stationed, represented by 24 chairs, thrones. And sitting on them are these elders, and they're clothed in white. Now let's notice in verse 10, what do they get to do? And the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and what? And worship him. We get to, that's part of the everlasting covenant. That's what God said. They shall be my people and I shall be their God. We will worship him in truth, in spirit and in truth. We desire to now, but in our spirit we're doing it. And there, in eternity, we will do it. We worship him. How do we worship him? He gives us worship to reflect back to him. Now, what's it go on to say here? They worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Now, whatever God does with those crowns, how we, uh, there's a crown of life given to us, and we're several crowns mentioned in the scripture, but I'll tell you what, there's no such thing as rewards. Abraham was given this. Uh, Jesus said, I am thy exceeding great reward these little diddly rewards that are talked about a man came to me I printed some books one time oh my goodness how stupid can you be how stupid can you be anyway man came to visit me and I told him what had happened to me heard the gospel for the first time Lord save me and uh, he was just hoping that I hadn't been baptized yet so I could be baptized by the right church. And I told him I had been baptized, and by who? Oh, my, Norm, you just lost all your rewards for printing those books. And I thought to myself, <laughs> we're not even talking the same language. Not even talking the same language. He is my exceeding great reward. And I'll get to worship him. I've got to worship him, not like I want to, but much better than I used to. Now, now this is what they get to say. Worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So, we're sitting, resting in Christ, Oh, to worship him, we bow before him, we cast our crowns, and we worship him, and we sing this song. Now, that's not the only time, though. Chapter 5, verse 8, look with me. Chapter 5, verse 8. And, then, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vial full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying... Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. What are they saying? 
You are victorious. And every believer says the same thing. I like what, oh, John Newton, we sang one of his songs tonight. A man came to him and said someone had been saved in their village and uh, he would never again doubt God because if God could save him, he could save anybody. John Newton says, I realized a long time ago when God saved me, he can save anybody. Yeah. So they say, sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Talk about a victorious song. All hail the power of Jesus' name. <laughs> Turn. That's not all, all though. Look what they get to do. Verse 14. And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. We just get to stand on our knees. <laughs> what a day when we do that. Worship him every day. And then, oh, they're not through though. Chapter 11, verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16. It says this, And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God. And you know what? They're not minding a bit. Doesn't bother them. You know, they're not being worn out. I went to church with my aunt one time at Easter. She was a Lutheran. I'm telling you, I thought I was in PE class. <laughs> These people don't mind. They're worshiping their king. This is not just some liturgy. This is their worshiping their king. There in verse, well, chapter 11, verse 16, it says, They fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thou hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and they, thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, and they shall be judged. And, thou, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Hallelujah. Going to sort them out like a shepherd does the sheep from the goats. But they're not through yet. Chapter 19, verse 4. Look at this with me. Four and twenty elders, chapter 19, verse 4. The four and twenty elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Unspeakable words. The voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And so, as John was privileged to view this host, he got to see himself represented. Four and twenty elders sitting on their thrones in robes of righteousness, white linen. And oh, he watched them, and they got down on their knees and worshipped their king, threw their crowns to him. 
We're glad to be here and we're thankful to be here, but it's all because of you. And then let's have another opportunity. Second verse. Oh, let's worship him. Third verse, let's worship him. Fourth verse and fifth verse, they worshiped him. Their king, glorious sovereign. And that's what the church does now. At rest, at peace, worship the king. That's all we want to do. We don't want any stubble. We don't want any chaff. We just want to worship the king. Let's hear more about him. It just draws worship out of us. It just draws it right out of us.